0: Butch Vig produced a lot of the most beloved sad boy music of the early 90s. Nevermind, Siamese Dream, Soul Asylum's Misery, a song we should probably do on the show unless we do Runaway Train. Starting in 1995, Vig took a hiatus from working the mixing board at Frustrated Incorporated to focus on his own band based in his home state of Wisconsin. When you heard in the mid-90s that Butch Vig had his own band called Garbage, you could be forgiven for assuming that it would be louder than Tad, sadder than Billy Corgan's childhood, and overdubbed with 77 tracks of distorted guitars. Instead, Garbage's first single had synths, Motown and Beatles-influenced melodies, sexy swagger, lyrics that poked fun at the angst-industrial complex that made Vig a star in the first place, and most important, the unforgettable vocals of Shirley Manson. Today on Hidden Jukebox, Garbage's debut single, Only Happy When It Rains, which I misspelled in the intro.
1: <laughs> so you did. How does none close of us close enough. That? <laughs> um, uh, two things here I want to clarify first off that uh, he was not working at a place called Frustrate Incorporated. I don't want to <laughs> mislead anybody. And that was are, an
0: obvious <laughs> joke. Come on. We, we
1: are not doing Misery. That is one of the worst songs ever written. <laughs>
0: Um, I, I my band covered it once when I was in college.
1: Was that because you were miserable and loved company?
0: Um, yes. Uh, wait. Let's let's introduce our guest. Hang on. Let's let's not do this. Uh, like you know. T-
1: today we have a special <laughs> guest on the show. Uh, fellow music nerd, '90s music lover, uh, Meredith Smith.
2: <clears throat> Hello. You pronounced it Welcome. correctly. Good job.
1: Oh, right. I forgot the it is silent. It's Meredith. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: And uh, Meredith and I uh, are are, have a duo called uh, Twilight Diners, uh, which and we've we've put out one song so far. We need to put out more
2: songs. Yeah, but I'll I'll
0: throw our one song at the at the end of this episode because it's pretty (laughs) good.
2: It's, you know, I haven't heard it. yet.
1: I'm excited.
0: It's a big star cover.
2: Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's cool. Yeah. Um, so Mer- Meredith this was your choice uh, What it's made you true. choose this song In this band
2: um, This song in this band Kicked off a Fairly I, You could argue that this song Coming out at the time that it did Is what made me a music nerd It was 1995 I was 13 Directly after this This album came out Was also Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt
0: Which we've done those, on the show
2: Those two things in concert with each other were were like, that was when I realized MTV was even a thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I just really uh, probably owe Garbage a lot more credit than I give them for actually being the music nerd that I am today. We used to go to the mall because there was nothing to do in the town in Texas where I grew up other than go to the mall. And it, they would play MTV in the youth section of department stores, and that was where we watched MTV. That was my first exposure to this song. Because <laughs> <laughs> my parents wouldn't let us watch MTV at home because it was too... You you couldn't predict what would be on MTV, so um, we would we would have to go to the mall to the youth section oh. of Dillard's to watch MTV.
0: I was going to guess Mervin's.
1: That's why <laughs> kids go to the mall. I've I've always wondered why kids go to the mall. That's why kids go
2: to the mall. It's to watch MTV and to okay. you know uh, do terrible. Uh, things behind the, the loading docks and stuff like that. So that was when I first started getting into trouble uh, as well. <laughs> so yes, you can kind of 100% credit my like through line from garbage to then eventually bad religion <laughs> and yeah. other things um, from basically that summer fall. Uh, and I, it just seems like a, a good place to kick off. At least for me, kind of a musical history, um, personally on a personal note. So that is why I chose this song.
0: Yeah, nice. this song is so much fun. Like this whole album, like that. That album holds up incredibly well.
1: Well, it's, it's incredibly well. Yeah. It's incredibly well produced. Yeah, uh, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So th- <laughs> this is, uh, you know, I. I when I first heard that Butch Vig was starting his own band, I am like, "Well, obviously it's going to be well produced." I did not realize that the guys that he was starting it with, Duke Erickson and Steve Marker, uh, were also producers in their own right and had been working with Butch Vig in different forms since nineteen seventy nine. So it was kind of cool because it was like, "Oh, we're getting the band back together." It was just they were a bunch of forty-somethings at that point, and mm-hmm. they're like, "What are we going to do? And who are we going to put in front of us so that we don't look yep. like a bunch of forty-somethings trying to start a band?"
0: <laughs> yeah, and good, good choice because I feel like Shirley Manson is is one of these people who was just like born a star.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent, absolutely. Like, like she she's an amazing front woman, and and they found her because she was in another band at the time uh that was out of Edinburgh, uh what was their name
0: i believe that's edinburgh, angel angel fish
1: uh, edinburgh
0: <laughs> what, do, do, I,
1: do i look like i'm from the uk do i sound like i'm from the uk give me give me a break here okay um
2: you sound you sound like you're on your sixth day of covid
1: <laughs> i i'm on my fifth day of covid thank you very much we are oh, recording remotely me. today Excuse me. S- sorry to my co-podcasters um And uh, apparently when she auditioned for them, the audition went terrible, but they started talking after that and got along really well and said, let's give it another go. And thank goodness they did because they are still making albums today and are still the exact same members. Yeah which is really hard for any band to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So let's, let's kind of talk about how this song works. Cause I, so I recall that when I first heard this song, like it was at a time in my life when I wanted music to be kind of like scruffier and more challenging than this. And I'm like, Oh, this melody is sort of too good. And the production is, is slick. And like, you know, this is like, I'm too cool for this sort of thing. And like, I was, I was (laughs) dumb and like, I'm glad I've grown up (laughs) since then. And I don't feel that way anymore. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Same,
0: but uh, so like the way the verse, so, so the verse melody, I think, is like one of those melodies that's just sort of like pulled out of the air. Like I can't believe no one did this exact melody before, and maybe someone no did, but but it's fine. And the way it fits together with the chorus is just so perfect.
1: Yeah, I I love how they go to this minor chord the first time around in the verse and then the second time around they resolve it to this major chord to bring it into the chorus right so it's, it's so like they good. only change it a little bit but it works really really well
2: it's like they it's it's almost ironic too with the lyrics with the way that they change into that major chord cuz if you're saying i'm only i only listen to the sad sad songs i'm only happy when it rains but you're singing right like you go from the minor place to the major place, it's just a really great lead in into that chorus. Um, and, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's almost Well, I mean, perfect. the music
0: is being cheeky in the same way the vocal, mm-hmm. the, the lyrics are being cheeky, right?
2: Yep,
1: yep. Right. So, so Matthew uh, pointed out that, again, s- something weird is going on harmonically in the chorus. <laughs> and it's that the chorus, uh, as somebody who... Uh, talks over and over about that I studied music and analyzes the way things work, really should be making changes in a minor key based on what the chords are, but it's yeah. all major chords, and and yeah. it's this irony of playing four major chords while she's singing pour some misery down on me. Yeah. Sorry, pour your yeah. misery down on me, not pour some sugar on me. <laughs>
0: See, I think she does say pour some misery down later in the song.
1: <sighs> Probably. Does, yeah, she
2: does. It's in the outro.
1: Right. I, I mean, yep. everybody was riffing off Def Leppard at that time, so that's totally fair, right? <laughs>
0: when, I, when I first took guitar lessons when I was 12 or 13, that was, uh, Pour Some Sugar on Me was the first riff that I wanted to learn.
1: Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. <laughs> we, we had a conversation off mic before this about how Bon Jovi, I mean, basically the conversation was that, that New Jersey is one of the greatest albums ever written, uh, and I remember that you were a huge Bon Jovi fan at that time, too. Uh
0: oh 100% and Bon Jovi like was sort of quintessentially for me like one of the bands that as soon as Nevermind came out I'm like okay never listening to that again and then and then many years later it was like oh that was that was a rash decision but I still haven't gone back to New Jersey and I should the, should, the album not the state I have been back to the it's, state
2: <laughs> It's funny cuz it's like this This song specifically came out after all of my friends had been obsessed with Nirvana, sure, and there had been all of these like great male front end bands, but there were not enough like female front end bands at the time, at least that I was aware of yeah. and so when this song came out, it was like explosive for that particular reason at that particular time for me personally, and like like they were kind of my Nirvana for a while, like I was that into this song and I played it probably over and over and over again. <laughs> and, and I didn't quite get into the, the male fronted stuff forever, sure. and this, which is just my own personal bias. But um, yeah,
1: I was really excited. Obviously as a big Nirvana fan that Butch Vig was right. doing something like, I'm like, Butch Vig plays drums yeah. and he's coming out with a band. And yeah. I think I, like many people were expecting something, something grunge, Nirvana yep. and they, Garbage purposely didn't want to do that. They wanted yeah. to do their own thing and they wanted it to be this kind of melting pot of a lot of different sounds and genres that influenced them and wanted it to be almost the antithesis of what you would expect from that era. Yeah. And, and, and for me, for me, I I I was like Matthew. I didn't quite get it at first because A, it wasn't what I was expecting, and B, it it was hard to Define what genre it was I mean it, mm-hmm. it didn't really sound right. like grunge It didn't yeah. sound like a lot of the mm-hmm. alternative Like what R.E.M. Mm-hmm. was doing And it certainly wasn't like dance pop Or anything like that So it, it was it was kind of its own thing at the time
2: Yeah I think that's why I really really liked it You know like I think Alanis was the same year Wasn't it like Jagged Little Pill Was the same year And I've, yeah, I vividly I remember I... Like sitting in the floor of the band room At school with like my (laughs) Walkman with like Alanis and Garbage and no doubt just like on repeat, on repeat, but Garbage Mm -hmm. still didn't fit in with either of those other bands either. And now to me, it's hard to remove Garbage from that era. Like it's so 1995, even though it sounded nothing like anything else that was out there, it's hard to mistake it as anything other than 1995
0: Butch Vig. <laughs> so. Absolutely. And yet, I feel like the production was very forward looking because, like, you know, yeah. it came out at a time when, like, if you were a rock band, like, you cannot add, like,
1: Synthie sounding drums no to your kidding. song. You cannot and add keyboards like, to your song. They're teeny
2: tiny synths, too. They're not like big, well, powerful right. synths.
1: And it and it opens with Synthie drums. Like, yeah. like yes. They, they leaned into it. It wasn't like a, well, we'll kind of throw some stuff into the mix. It's like, we are going to throw this in your face. Like you're going to know from the downbeat that this is what we're doing here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They were, uh, it was, it was really interesting compared to, you know, something like no doubt that came out directly after, because it's so, um, it's, it's so it's dark, but it's also light. Like in the sense that it's not, it, it might be really produced, but doesn't feel overproduced. There's not a lot of horns. There's not a lot of four on the floor. There's not a lot of like big sounds in the record, like on a lot of other records. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it's a really interesting contrast to some of the other stuff that came out at the time.
1: What one of the other things that we talk about on here a lot is, uh, I, I don't, I don't love it when vocalists go way, way beyond or out to their the the edge of their range, which happened mm. a lot in the 80s, a little less in the 90s. Yep. And Shirley Mans- Manson is like the epitome of knowing your range, sticking with it, yeah. and, and <clears throat> using it to the best of your ability. And I think that the reason that she sounds just as good, if not better today, and could do this in another 20 years if she wanted to, is because she was smart enough to stick within her range and not be like, look at what a sorceress I can be.
0: Which no is funny because we
1: just did Mariah Carey, which is the clear opposite <laughs> end of that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if we talk the, about uh, Celine
2: Dion later, also clear opposite. Uh, have either <laughs> yeah. of you listened
1: to
0: the, the garbage's 2021 album, uh, No Gods, No Masters? I
1: haven't. I did this week because you said it's really good.
0: I really like it. <laughs> Yeah, I right think she on. sounds great on it and I think the songs are really fun.
1: And I think it's they they still have their sound. They're not like yeah. trying to constantly reinvent themselves.
2: That's crazy to me because so many bands that do stay together that long are always trying to kind of push into new territories and it's just I don't know, it's really comforting to know that there are bands out there that are still just doing their thing and they're able to I, just continue doing their thing.
0: I wonder if it's partly because they take a lot of time off. Like you Maybe. know, they'll they'll like you know take seven years off between albums and then yeah. come back refreshed and ready to do it again. Whereas yep. like you know, if you put out you know seventeen albums a year like Jake's favorite band, <laughs> then you might have to explore some new genres.
1: Boys to well- Men hasn't put out an album any time recently. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Wait, we I will say that. Why haven't we done Boys to Men?
2: Oh my god, uh, I mean, have not? Do Motown, what is wrong Philly? with you?
1: I What's I told you Meredith it? we have like we have like two hundred <laughs> options left to go. There is yeah. okay. so much left okay. that we haven't. Okay, get to done. know.
2: Well, you we'll yeah, be here You,
1: for you, a you while. can just keep throwing them at, at us. We'll go. We'll be like, add it to okay. the list. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I always um, want
1: to oh, do man, end I've of got the row. Stories road. about boys to men too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, who said who said um, they have a story about seeing Butch Vig on stage?
1: I did. So so. Oh. First off I want to say that that Garbage originally planned on not being a live band mm-hmm. and and I think they got leaned on a little bit by the label but they also started trying to do the stuff live and they from what I've seen online and and what I've heard they are a great live band. I'm sure that they use a lot of backing tracks when they perform live mm-hmm. but they sound really great. Yeah. So um I saw Butchvig on stage once, but it barely counts, because in 2014, (laughs) uh, Foo Fighters did a documentary that was eight parts on HBO called Sonic Highways, and an album came along with it. And the concept of the album was they recorded eight songs, eight different cities, eight different producers, and wrote a song in each city and wanted to basically try and embody that city in each song. And one of them was recorded here in Seattle at Robert Lang Studios with Butch Vig behind the board, and the song is called Subterranean. Okay. In the middle of all of this, every Friday when the episode would debut, they would perform a tiny little club show in the town that that the song was recorded in. I got lucky enough to see them at the Showbox in 2014 here in Seattle, which holds about 1,100 people. I got in for free. Uh, it was a miracle. And at all of the other gigs, which had been happening up to this point, they were bringing out all of these famous people They're, like Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick had come out with them. Zach Brown, Joe Walsh, Perry Farrell, Perry Farrell, whichever it Farrell. is. So I, I'm like,
0: Perry Ed- Edinburgh,
1: <laughs> Perry Farrell from Edinburgh. Um, so, so I'm like, oh, man, Seattle. Think of the list of people who are going to show up. No, well, kidding. the only person who shows up is Butch Vig, who doesn't even live here. I don't know what he was doing there, other than that he produced the song. You which were helping also, for John Tesh. Well, no, the song that that was recorded here featured Ben Gibbard on backing vocals. Ben Gibbard didn't show up, no, so well, when they when they get to playing the song, <laughs> they they're like Butch, we want you to come on stage. I'm like, oh yes, Butch Vig is going to play drums on Subterranean. No. <laughs> They had him stand at the back of the stage and do nothing while they played the song. And it was really, really awkward for him and everybody else. And when they finished the song, he walked off stage. And that's the only time I ever saw Butch Vig on stage. <laughs>
0: Fantastic.
2: Oh, my God. That's great. Yeah. That's, that does hardly it, count. You're correct.
1: It, it was a really fun <laughs> night. I, I can say I've I've been in the same room as him.
2: I was going to um, say that's a that's a great story, even though it doesn't count.
1: <laughs> no, no, it doesn't count at all. Uh, I I was surprised researching this episode. He is 68 years old. I shouldn't be surprised by that because mm-hmm. he's been doing this We're for a long time. Now. Yeah, but right. but that that was part of the point I was making with hiring Shirley Manson as a front person is. She's she's now fifty seven. So yeah, the rest of the they band needed a young kid. Yeah, they they needed somebody young and, for for lack of a better way of putting it, good looking in front of them because the rest of the I band was gonna is uh, hardly a bunch of lookers. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, there's that, and if they're like, even though they were you know quote unquote a production band originally and not like a live touring band, I think they knew. Someone had the the sound mind to say, OK, if this band is going to go anywhere, we probably need a cute young mm-hmm. female with a good voice to get us there, especially given everything else out at the time they needed to yeah. kind of set themselves apart. And, I mean, who I, better than freaking Shirley Manson to set yourself apart?
1: I, I want to go back to something that, that you said, Meredith, which was you you were listening at the time to a lot of female artists female fronted mm-hmm. bands yep. uh i at least was the opposite i i was in the 90s you know i went from 10 to 20 years old and was very biased towards male fronted bands for these stupid teenage boy reasons and then when i got into my 20s i started going wow i missed out on a lot of really great stuff in there so yeah my question to you is did you come back to all of this 90s stuff and go, oh, man, it's it's really fun yep. revisiting some of the yep. stuff that I didn't listen to back at that time?
2: There was a crap ton that I missed. Like, that's putting it politely. I was very <laughs> I had a real chip on my shoulder about anything mainstream anything popular i mean i still do as matthew knows (laughs) um and i it took me a long time to really get into like smashing pumpkins which is like insane to say now and then also going back and like learning that like he wrote a lot of like billy corgan helped write a lot of like the whole you know records and stuff like that like learning going back and learning that like there was so much crossover at the time between all the bands because there were so actually so few bands out there like really working and really touring and really playing at that level that there's so much crossover and i didn't know that this whole like rabbit hole of that side of it existed until honestly the last four or five years when i started playing music again myself and started like learning covers and going back and trying to, like, teach myself how to play all these songs that I, I kind of missed. I kind of lived under a rock of of girl bands and and this, like I said, chip on my shoulder that, like, oh, everybody was so into Nirvana and I can't stand it. And, like, Kurt Cobain died basically on my birthday one year. And so, like, my whole, like, it was, I guess it was my eleventh birthday. It was like overshadowed by like Kurt Cobain stuff. Yeah, death. <laughs> and, like, and so I had screw this huge. Guy. I was like, "Screw that guy,"
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and that's fair.
2: F all of that. And so you know, I really was like, "I'm not. I'm not going to listen to all this guy stuff. This is all just for dudes." But I've gone back to Nevermind too, and I've gone back to a lot of Nirvana. I don't know if you guys watched the. Um, Steve Albini podcast or the Steve Albini episode of Conan needs a friend, which was on in the last no. like no. few months. It's really good. It's, I it's I Conan. watched a clip
0: from it where he, where he talked about like you know sort of his contract that he demanded yeah. of like you know what he yeah. would and wouldn't get credit for when he was working on In Utero.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I might have sent that to you actually because it's so <laughs> it's so good. You guys need to go watch it. And like you know, even in even before it kind of came back to music, like I was in aberdeen my my kind of like maybe third degree of separation from butch vig and all those guys i was in aberdeen one summer out driving around i think it was actually during covid and I was going to go on a road trip and get out of the house. And I went to Aberdeen and I was at the farmer's market and Chris Novoselic was playing an acoustic set with his son at the farmer's (laughs) market. (laughs) it was so cute. And so I was just like, I was just like sitting there like having clam chowder and there's Chris Novoselic. And like, I wouldn't have known who any of those people were probably when that stuff was happening. Cause I was, I was maybe a little too young. I was like 11 12 13 i would think i was nine when nevermind came out or ten and so you know it was just slightly too too far out there for me and then like i said and then all the girl bands and all the girl good i i say good all the good girl records came out really at a seminal time when i was 13 and so it was like after that i was like i'm sorry i'm i'm in this lane now (laughs) Um, but i have gone back and re-listened to a lot of it um and, you know, like the Matthew and I've been working on Malibu and Malibu is another one of those great examples of like a 90s song where like Billy Corgan had his like hands all over it. And if you don't know other Billy Corgan stuff, you don't understand like how how it fits into the bigger like picture of Smashing Pumpkins. And so I had to go back and listen to a lot of other stuff. And it's really it's it's really interesting how intertwined all of the that whole, the whole is song Malibu.
1: Other.
0: Yes. Not the yeah. Miley Cyrus song.
2: Um, <laughs> Which I, is good, I'm, though. Yes, I'm absolutely. embarrassed
1: to ad- admit that I had no idea that Billy Cor- Corgan had anything to do with that song.
0: Yeah, he, he, he co-wrote several several songs on that album. Yeah, yeah, yep. Huh. Yep.
1: That's that's really cool.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. Um, but and you can tell too. Like once you once you learn that, you're like, oh yes, this is a Corgan chord. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I hear it
1: now. I I, I go, oh yeah, his <laughs> oh, fingerprints yeah. are are. Totally, Oliver. all over it. and thing.
0: also that song is is uh, deceptively difficult.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because like you hear it, it sounds
0: very straightforward, and it mostly is, but there's a lot of subtlety yeah. to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When
1: you when you start learning, uh, Smashing Pumpkins songs, it, he <laughs> those songs are hard. Yeah, oh, God. Lo- love him or hate him, he was no, he no, thank is you. a very very talented guy. Like, yeah, like it's, seriously, it's impressive. Well,
2: they all. I feel like all of those. Al- a lot of these bands from the 90s get kind of overshadowed because they were grunge or they had these like like these producers like Butch Vig and you don't understand that there's all of these layers that go into really like making those songs as good as they are. They yes. might look simple and they might sound simple and that chord progression might sound like you said like the melody was just pulled out of the air, but really there's a lot of Skill and a lot of talent and a lot of production that goes into making a band like Garbage sound as good as they did and yeah. do. And anyway, I yeah. um, got my like fight face on. Not like I'm arguing with you guys. Right <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but...
1: How dare you!
0: <laughs> Uh, All right. Anything else about this song uh, before we go into what we're listening to?
1: Well, yes. uh, We do need to point out that the video was directed by Samuel Bayer, who's best known for the No Rain video. And I somehow never put that together and went back and watched it this week. And I'm like, wow, that guy was uh, pretty one dimensional, huh? It's like,
0: let's get some costumes on people and let's have them dancing around in a field in the sun. And then let's like, do it again,
1: <laughs> guys. I have got a great one for this one. We're gonna put some shadows behind them. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, like I think the the video for the song is like kind of in the so bad it's good area for me. Cause, yep. like it is the epitome of like when it's not just like randos dancing around in a field. It's like let's get the band like you know dancing around and lip syncing their hearts out. I was gonna say it's and, almost like,
1: a bad karaoke video. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but, well, and and it's not like it's like like at this point, MC Hammer had spent. Oh, no. I know. I know this is a weird segue, but MC Hammer had already made like the most expensive video in the history of mankind, which at the time cost over a million dollars, and that was unheard of for a video. Oh, was God. it? You it can't was, touch this. Uh, no, it was not. You can't touch this. It was off the next album. Right. after That. Uh, I, I, I can't remember which song it was. Too legit to quit. It, no, it wasn't that either. A- anyway, Those are very, all <laughs> the MC Hammer songs very, that I know. Very expensive. <laughs> Th- this, is, um, this is not expensive costume design. This looks like he went into his high school's costume room and was like, uh, these five will work. Yep. Let's throw them yep. on some kids and yep. go for it.
2: <laughs> it was real fun to watch on I, the and, uh, TV screen in the mall. not going to lie. The, I bet. <laughs> Small the, screen. That, its that's
1: what was weird about, about the 90s. In the 90s, you were required to make a video if you had a single out like no yeah. matter how yeah. good or bad it was it had to be there
0: <laughs> yeah i think they did not want to make a video that was the impression i got from the video butch
2: vig <laughs> they, doesn't they really seem to like a video kind of guy right
1: <laughs> well he's he's more he's more of a stand at the back of the stage while another band performs a song type of guy
2: <laughs> he did that admirably, adverb- admirably, um <laughs> yeah. considering how awkward it was <laughs> sounds like
1: Okay, so uh, what are you guys listening to right now?
0: Meredith, you're the guest. Why don't you go first?
2: Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, so fairly on brand. (laughs) I've been listening to a lot of always. Um, I'm not sure if you're supposed to say always with the two V's or always, (laughs) but I say always. I think they say
0: always, but it's, it's more fun to say always. (laughs) It's more
2: fun to say always. (laughs) And my, uh, my child who's eight has gotten really big into always. And so she loves to say always and she makes a point of saying it that way. Um, But we've been pretty much, Have we've had the uh, the debut Allve's album kind of on repeat here lately, which is timely stuff, I know, but um, because it came out in like 2018 or 2019, but uh, it's just been it's been on repeat, and I've been trying to get her my next my my next. uh, thing to try to get her into after this is chastity, chastity belts, which I also cannot say oh, very sure. well. Um, cause I was like, okay, well, if you really like this, you will also like this band.
1: <laughs> I, I just want to side note here. Uh, I was riding in a car with somebody who said, Oh, we should really put on the new Chaverts' record. And I'm like Chaverts. <laughs> I, I, I think it's churches.
2: I love that so much. <laughs> That's something I would do. Mer-
0: <laughs> Meredith, have you watched the All All Day's uh, Tiny Desk concert that just <gasps> came out?
2: No, I have not, but I will do that. Oh, it just
0: came out like within the last week, and it's oh, so good. Oh, okay,
2: cool. Yeah, no, I've I've been remiss in my Tiny Desk concert catch up, so. Maybe I'll put that on during the break this week. Excellent. Um, but yeah. And then speaking of like having li- like been under a rock, I was kind of under a rock during like most of the 2010s. Cause I was running a business and I was like working 80 hour sure. weeks and, and being a crazy person. And, um, but I've been going back and listening to all of like the, there's a bunch of like psychedelic grunge kind of death Valley girls type stuff that came out in that time. and, the mystery lights has been in heavy rotation over here. They're really, really great, um, but just super solid, super catchy, great dark kind of grungy stuff. And it's easy to like put on and work to and go for a walk with. And I don't know. That's been my other my other heavy rotation. Yeah,
0: I don't know this band at all. I'm
1: looking forward I, to. listening. I don't either. This, okay. is, <clears throat> this is part of why we do this segment. <laughs> yeah. Is it, we like learning something Excellent. new as well. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. If you want to. Uh, Immerse yourself into psychedelic grunge of the 2010s. I would say put on a Mystery Lights radio and the algorithm on it is pretty good as much as I okay. hate to say it, say nice things about an algorithm. Um, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> but, yeah, if, but if you don't say
0: nice things about it, it's, it's going to come across <laughs> yeah, you. So.
2: It's true. And I feel like since I'm talking about it on my computer where I mostly listen to Spotify, maybe it will be kind to me again and like, continue yeah. to pick up on what I'm putting down. So someone else in, is in control is like their they're hit in my opinion their a side um and it's just it's great, so I highly recommend. And that's what I'm listening to.
1: Spotify is listening to this entire podcast right now, anyway, so yeah, exactly. it knows our every thought.
0: Didn't Didn't Spotify like take take us off Spotify? Take this podcast <laughs> oh, off no. Spotify? I, I, I,
1: God, you should. We shouldn't even be talking about this. We're screwed up. <laughs> o- o- only a couple of episodes. Oh, Okay, I I don't know why they only flagged a couple, Was but we're, we're still on there. So uh yeah so it must be so, because like
0: those those bands management mm-hmm. are are mm-hmm. like picky about it
1: yeah it's like please, some bands don't,
0: are blockers and some aren't
1: crazy please don't sell us out any of our thousands and thousands of <laughs> just, listeners just please don't sell I, us I, out. i
2: wouldn't i didn't say anything about spotify at all
1: <laughs> busted <laughs> damn it <laughs> all right jake you want to go next sure okay i i can't remember if i've mentioned this band <laughs> I, on the I, show before i know before. you haven't because oh. i would remember Good. uh <laughs> Okay, Psychedelic Porn Crumpets, Franzoli, their new album. Clearly the best band name ever, and this album totally rocks. It's Australian psych rock, of course, because for some reason, every time I hear a new band, I'm like, I really like this. It's Australian psych rock. All right. By the way, I'm moving to Australia next month. Oh. Um <laughs> No, not really. It's like, um,
2: really? You had me going.
1: It, it's, it is... Really, really heavy at points, really out there at points, great vocals. Nice. Um, but really, my favorite story about this band is I mentioned last year in 2022 when I saw King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard to my friend Boy that I was going to see them at the Paramount here in Seattle, which holds about 2,800 people. And he said, Oh, I'm not gonna go. I saw them in Bellingham in front of 100 people. Mm-hmm. I called BS. He got a hold of me the next day. He says, sorry, that was the psychedelic porn crumpets. I'm like, yeah, that's an easy mistake to make, I'd, I'd say. Sure. How do you get those two confused? Uh, and, and then there's this this semi-new band out of Connecticut called Le Special. Um, they put out a new album uh, in September called Odd Times. They're heavy, almost gent style, if you know what that means. Um, yeah, it, hmm. it, uh, and and they're they define themselves as progtronic. They're instrumental a lot of times. They're really heavy at times. Their vocals aren't great, but their musicianship is incredible. Nice. So, like, you, you might find yourself skipping over some of the vocal parts, but the rest of it is definitely worth a listen. Right uh,
0: Meredith, you, I've got the sense that you indicated that you're not familiar with the term gent.
2: <laughs> the DJ ENT? No, I'm not uh-huh. familiar with so, that. So, uh,
0: gent gent is the sound of like a extremely distorted. Like palm muted power chord and the music, the uh, metal music yes. associated with that, so like gent 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 gent.
2: Yes, and the- <laughs> is that why they call it gent? Because you have to do the gent.
0: Gen, that is, gen, gen, is literally gen, why they call a, it gent. That's literally it's why. It's the same. Excellent. It's the same as how Mike Dirnt from Green Day got his name.
2: Ah, yes. <laughs> the,
1: the weird, the weird thing is this band gets lumped into the jam band category sometimes. Huh. And I challenge both of you to listen to it and go,
2: what? what? Okay, <laughs> cool.
1: Yeah. Like if, if I brought any of my jam band friends to see this band, they'd be like, why did you do this to me? And they would leave very quickly.
2: Interesting. Okay. Uh, it, I will report back. <laughs> it's, it's
1: because their songs are not concise. So uh, people go, oh, then that yeah, means that they're, they're sprawling. jamming. I, sir. Was,
2: I was wondering if it's like yeah. sprawling bass kind of thing that just like goes on forever.
0: It's um, a fine line between jam and prog. Yeah, true.
1: It, it is. True. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's called jog. Jog, jog, <laughs> jog, jog, jog. jog. <laughs> jog, 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 jog. <laughs> Matthew, what are you listening to? Okay.
0: I have uh two two things that the the newest one is almost thirty years old Uh, because it's that that time of year when when no actual new stuff is coming out, although Jake found some, apparently. Um, So I got turned on to this band called The Mice, and their album is called For Almost Ever from 1985. And I heard about them because Barry Johnson, the singer, a songwriter of Joyce Manor, recommended them, uh, and they've also been cited as an influence by Guided by Voices. And they put out one LP and one EP in the mid-'80s, and that's it. They were from Cleveland, and it is like the most perfect melodic punk rock it is a hundred percent influenced by the replacements and husker do and it sounds you would not guess that this was from the 80s you would guess that it was from the 90s because it is so clean there is some actual bass to it uh like it's really modern sounding production and the performances are joyous and the hooks are enormous and like the thing the thing I would uh, would say about it is if you listen to this and you don't immediately get the songs rescue you to and not proud of the USA stuck in your head, it's possible you don't have a head. This It's just such a lovely album.
1: I, I listened. It was good. Yeah.
0: Um, and the other one is, I have mentioned before that I am a huge fan of the band Fatima Mansions, uh, who was an Irish rock band, political rock band from the mid-90s fronted by Call Coughlin, who um, was uh, uh, a... He was originally uh, the founder of uh, the band micro Disney and then later a solo artist. This uh, their album lost in the former West came out in 1994 uh, and has been not on streaming for as long as I can remember. And now it is. Nice. Uh, and uh, if so, if you have not heard, listened to lost in the former West by Fatima mansions, I think this is probably a love it, hate it kind of thing. It is very, uh, very of its time. Uh, and in particular, like the the lyrics are very political, but it's like a lot of political stuff that was happening in Europe in the in the 80s and 90s. Um, but the lyrics are, are so well written. Uh, Carl Coughlin was an amazing like punk rock singer. Uh, and uh, he sadly died last year, but he left behind an amazing discography. So uh, go check it out.
1: Quick question. Yeah. Why don't bands... Uh, put out albums in December. I
0: don't know. <laughs> I I think probably because their managers like everyone is is like
1: traveling and doing. I other was gonna stuff say no is it because they can't to tour
2: album. to support until the spring?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, maybe. I, I mean, it just seems weird to me because it'd be like, oh, new album, great holiday yeah. gift.
0: Yeah, and but like. It's got to be earlier than that. You to, have to, to do it earlier
2: like, that way. you have the like three months worth of promotion leading up to it yeah. to sell, like it's really from like a marketing standpoint, it really needs to be like October if you're going to do anything for a holiday yeah. time frame.
0: And that's, that's just- why <laughs> Meredith and I haven't put anything out this month.
2: <laughs> it's true. We're waiting. <laughs> We're waiting for the right time. <laughs> yes
1: in the next 3 days of of covid <laughs> recovery uh i am going to research great albums that came out in december okay that's well, uh, there must be some
2: you also have to think about like re, like if you walk through the grocery store or the mall right now it's all christmas music all the time no one's playing anything new on the radio unless you're like kxp so you're not gonna get any radio play unless it's a Christmas song right now. Yeah, Either. if you
0: walk through Kohl's and stop in front of the TV to watch to watch MTV. In <laughs> that
2: immersions, man. Some
1: <laughs> somebody asked me uh this week, so what Christmas song are you guys gonna do on the podcast next December? I'm like we're never doing a Christmas song yeah, I again. Think that was it. <laughs> that that was it. Name your other favorite 90s Christmas song. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs>
2: Uh, nope. there's a
1: sloan oh.
0: christmas song that i really like from from the 2000s
1: <laughs> there's an insane right. christmas song from the 2000s sure we're, we're, we're not we're not going yeah, we're right. not doing that
0: no. all right I, anyway yeah meredith thanks so much for being on the show Absolutely. is there anything you'd like Super to plug fun. i would
2: love to plug uh the twilight diners cover of yeah of 13 it's out now on Bandcamp, and uh yep we'll it. link to
0: it in the show notes
1: you please do Matthew where can you where can they find us
0: uh you can find us at hiddenjukebox.com, jukebox.com uh, facebook.com slash hiddenjukebox, uh, uh, at jukebox hidden on Instagram and you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts
1: happy new year everybody until next time I'm Jake Amster I'm
0: Matthew Amster Burton
1: I'm
2: Meredith Smith do I get one I guess I get one <laughs> sm- yes you, got you got sm- one <laughs> you till you're dead.